co-hosts Stephen Figgy. Online I go by Stevenator. I'm 20 years old. I'm in my second semester at Aquinas College and I play for the League of Legends varsity roster and as a ringer on the Super Smash Brothers team. And I'm here with my fellow co-host who I'll let introduce himself right now. Yeah, hi. I'm uh, also a sophomore. I'm William Wolf. I go by Armor Class on League of Legends as well as most of my like social media handles. I play top lane right now, but it's kind of a fun little <laughs> contest of wits right now to see who's going to be starting for that. But right now it's going to be a good time. I think uh, we're going into this podcast. This is our first episode. We're kind of doing this to educate people a little bit on esports. I know we're a bit of a smaller school, so it kind of gives a be- uh, behind the scenes look as well as just kind of going for uh, a little bit of updates and I guess insight into kind of college life for, for esports. Mm-hmm. And I think like the important thing is that like both me and you have talked a lot about how the content area of collegiate esports is extremely underutilized and to my knowledge there's not really anything like this that exists so far uh so i think it's i think it's going to be fun i think it's going to be something that we're going to attempt to do weekly uh and of course this is our first episode so we're going to be making changes seeing what works seeing what doesn't as we go along uh but without further ado uh our our first kind of thing that i want to get into is that we had four matches this week for at least the varsity teams for at aq we had three matches for rocket league and one match for smash for rocket league we went a collective zero and three losing to university of michigan zero to three uh losing to ecu gold one to three and then losing to hartford red one to three and then for smash um they did what's called a crew battle which i could explain in further detail um for anyone who doesn't know it basically means that if you have three three lives, three stocks uh, for each game of Smash and you have four players, then your team effectively has 12 lives. And you keep going, sending in members back and forth until one team is left with zero lives left and uh, and by default someone wins. So Smash lost that match zero to five. So Oakland University was able to maintain five stocks while defeating our Smash team. Yeah, and then our kind of our highlight match for uh, Rocket League, uh, AQ versus U of M. Unfortunately, AQ did go 0-3 against them. Uh, it was within one goal of every single game and they're versus a top 16, you know, CRL team. Um, also, if you're ever curious about any of these matches, we do stream uh, the majority of our matches for varsity teams. Uh, you can find that at twitch.tv slash Aquinas Esports. But we did talk to some of the players when it came to uh, the unfortunate 0-3 defeat against U of M. Uh, one specific player would be Bimax. Uh, he said that we definitely didn't play to our potential. But, I mean, this is their first time playing official matches uh, with this, you know, player lineup, which, I mean, we've kind of gone through uh, in the last, like, two years that we've been together, Steve, different player lineups and just kind of adjusting. And when you get a new player, it does add a a whole new dynamic, especially for a fast-paced game like Rocket League. I I imagine the change is pretty drastic. Yeah, and my understanding, admittedly, uh, Rocket League is one of my weaker games of all the games that we have in the program. But to my understanding, communication and being able to get your rotations good uh, in Rocket League is something that's extremely important and something that very drastically shifts every time that you throw a new player in because everyone plays different roles obviously right mm-hmm. um everyone is used to different types of rotations i'm sure they practice different things on the academy team and on the varsity team and so whenever you make that kind of a change there are going to be some growing pains and i think regardless the fact that they were able to keep it within one goal every single match versus a team that's as potent of uh u of m is all things considered a good sign even though they had a week a, a rough week mm-hmm. uh 
just speaking based on results. Yeah, I think it's also uh, like going back to that within one goal each game. I think something like that showcases how well smaller schools like us can can do against these big schools. Like U of M is, you know, a massive football school and yeah. as well as basketball, if I'm not mistaken. And so seeing uh, a program like ours, like, I mean, we're, you know, all crammed into yeah. a lab with setups and some of us having to trade off. But even when it comes to something like that, I mean, if we're able to kind of hold our own against these really big schools, and I mean, they have a lot, like, if you look at Aquinas and U of M, the funding and as well as just the student base itself is drastically different. Yeah, it becomes one of those things where like finding good enough, like finding good players to come to Aquinas College uh, it is like finding a needle in a haystack because we have so few uh, people going to Aquinas College in comparison to U of M. Like U of M, I'm sure, has plenty of competent Rocket League, League of Legends players. I mean, I, me and you have... Uh, have played against U of M's league teams uh, a few times. And even their JV team is just stacked with talent to yeah. the brim because they just have so many students. So like you said, it, it is cool to see us kind of keeping up with that roster. And even though it was a zero three in rocket league, like a, a one goal difference in every single game, like a goal can happen literally in four seconds off of kickoff. If one team plays incorrectly. So yeah, no, like I remember watching just highlights and sometimes like, yeah, like you were just saying with kickoff, like if you get kickoff, just right like you can just get a score yeah. and then that can just set the the pace for the whole game and then yeah. you can just play defense off that by the looks of it but i mean I, I i still could not imagine like if leak had a timer of five minutes like <laughs> that game would have to be so quick yeah i the, could not imagine doing that I, I love the game pace of rocket league so i mean i i encourage everyone uh unfortunately like our second highlight match of the week which i'll get into in a second which was our smash game wasn't streamed on our twitch channel but for most of the rocket league games uh, those are streamed on twitch.tv slash Aquinas Esports. And if you're kind of wondering about uh, which games are being streamed each week and when and where, uh, you can find all of that through our Twitter at Aquinas Esports. We upload a weekly ske uh, stream schedule every Monday. Uh, so you'll be able to find that there, uh, which I think is a good time to get into our second highlight match of the week. And just to mention, because I'm not sure we exactly broke this down, uh, of all the games that we play every week here at Aquinas, uh, we, me and Will want to try to highlight two matches that were either you know very interesting or they were versus bigger schools or maybe we pulled up an upset or even just had a really close game. Because I think it's important to recognize uh, you know, the, the feats that our program has on a weekly basis because we just have so much talent in our program and so much... Um, we have so much going on in every single week of the program once all four teams really get into get into their seasons. Well, yeah, it's like uh, it's it's potential mm -hmm. like with with the resources that we have, the amount of potential that we have as a program, like like for us, for a, like even the league program, like the fact that we got to go to St. Louis and Hugh Fest was absolutely crazy. Mm -hmm. Like no name school shows up out of nowhere and then surprises everybody. And then we show up to these contests and then. Like I, I know our Rocket League program has kind of been goaded for a while because I remember they went to uh, Georgia for DreamHack a mm -hmm. couple of years ago, and it's just nice seeing the like the pace being like set, and then we've been keeping up with it. Mm -hmm. Like we're 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 competing at that level even after you know um, Coach Marshall left and all that, and so now seeing our players be able to develop and even with new coaches and, and a bunch of gears shifting and changing. It's it's nice that we're staying competitive in that nature. Because mm -hmm. if you're like if you're coming from a background of t traditional collegiate sports, you might not uh, know from first glance the frail nature of collegiate esports, which is really that there are a lot of schools that get a lot of great players, and then within a year or two, not a single one of those players is still there, and this school goes from being a top twenty, top thirty contender to just you never hear from them again, and that's very typical and. 
I think that it's it's very it's very good and it's very promising that at AQ we haven't really seen the the same thing. A lot of our players do end up sticking around and we end up forging rosters that can compete years and years in a row. Yeah, I think that's kind of like the benefit of having a small program is that we're so tight knit and so it kind of increases the likelihood of longevity for these teams. Because like, I, and we can talk about this later on, but like we can talk about like the Columbia roster change, mm-hmm. and I think I think that's kind of like a good example of what you're just talking about. But um, yeah, you want to talk about the the Smash match real quick? Yeah, because I think this is actually a great segue because uh, one thing that I overheard from we recently in Smash we got a, a new coach just recently released on Twitter, um, which is one of our former students, Grayson Harding, who goes by Lunges as far as uh, the esports side of things goes. And he graduated one or two years ago, and now he's back to actually coach the Smash team in an official capacity. So this was our first match, uh, our first week under a new coach. Um, And one of the things that I kind of overheard him say is that a lot of Smash team rosters have very recently either lost their players or their team consists of mostly freshmen. So the door is kind of wide open for us this season in order to perform better than the Smash team has ever performed before. And unfortunately, that didn't really come to fruition in our first match. Excuse me, in our first match, Oakland is a very potent team and always have been uh, in in multiple esports. So it's it's not the most surprising thing in the world that we weren't able to take them down. But all things considered, I mean, zero to five is not a bad score for Smash. That's within two players. We didn't get completely wiped. Uh, and another thing that I can give as additional insight is kind of like the Smash team's ringer is that. Um, one of the rules of our conference states that you can't use the same character twice, and it just so happens that two of the players on our team actually play the same character. So I think one of the major issues that the Smash team is trying to work out, and we're going to have to do some testing with week by week, is which player gets to play which characters, can we find a different character that works for a, for one of the two players so that we can actually have four unique characters and have everyone be comfortable. So I think that all things considered, the fact that we've been having to mess mess around with that, and the fact that... Um, this is our first week under a new coach, under a new practice regimen, all of that. I think it was a pretty solid match, and I watched the match. There was a lot of exciting, uh, a lot of exciting plays from both teams, and hopefully in the future we can get one of those smash matches on on stream. I actually didn't know that when you said the 05 was actually close. Yeah. Like you, you said, it was within two players. Yeah, it was within two players. So if each player gets three lives, we took out two of their players, and then for the third player we took out one stock, and then we lost. Oh, uh, whereas okay. they took out four of our players. So it's not super duper close, but it is certainly within doable uh, range, especially mm-hmm. since I think um, we had gotten through most of their stronger players by the end of it. Uh, and I'm not sure who their last player was, but had we had one of our stronger players left, there's definitely a possibility that we could have taken it. Oh, yeah, I didn't actually know that. That's actually super interesting. <laughs> I, I definitely looked at the 05 and I was like, so that mean we just like straight up lost like five one v one. Yeah, and just that's got what it ruined. would mean in any other game. Like O five in Rocket League, O five in League, O five in Overwatch would be a complete disaster. But in Smash, it's actually way closer than you. So would then the scoring is. is based on stocks left. Yeah, the okay. scoring is based on how many stocks you have left at the end of the at the end of the. And that's for because you for, could say one zero as well, but I feel like that doesn't really tell the whole story of, yeah. of what happened. Huh. Oh boy, there, there's more than just crew battle, right? Uh, yeah, occasionally they have, uh, you know, just enter your players into a 1v1, mm-hmm. enter your players into, into doubles, which is two-on-two. Two. Uh, but I think one of the, one of uh, Collegiate Smash's biggest issues to solve uh, is basically what format do we run so that it doesn't just show off the individual skill of the players, but really puts them together into a team format, hmm. uh, which is something that I think is, fighting games as a whole have always had issues with uh, on the Collegiate level and i'd love to talk about that more uh potentially in a future episode at length yeah i think that'd be really smart because i 
I'm definitely very curious about the Smash format. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I definitely know we have some pretty, pretty uh, inf- insightful people that we could have on that could, I guess, educate me. Because <laughs> I definitely, yeah. But to kind of go into uh, going from Smash, uh, since we did get a new coach in Smash, we actually have some kind of exciting news. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be announced uh, today. We're recording this on Saturday. Uh, podcast should be out Sunday. But if you follow our Twitter, you already know about this. But the League team actually just got a new coach, mm-hmm. which I think is really exciting because we haven't really had like a staple coach for a while. I mean, we only got a director uh, like three quarters of the way last fall. Yeah. And we were working without a coach for most of the time. And even in the past, a majority of our coaches have kind of been, you know, they, they show up and they're with us for one semester. And then all of a sudden they're gone before they can even really start to put things into place. Uh, and I know like me and you know how difficult it <laughs> yeah. has been working without a coach and kind of having to govern ourselves for the past few weeks. And I don't want to undersell like the, the gravity of this news. I'm sure that, uh, that our coach, coach long, who puts out the announcement will go into depth about, how big this this announcement is uh, yeah. when he actually makes the announcement. But our new coach, Coach Zhu, yeah. has a huge resume of success in the past. He has coached genuine professional players in the game. He has worked at the basically like semi-pro level um, with, with the best of the best. I mean, the guy's got a champion ring. Yeah. Like, that's so cool. <laughs> like, I didn't even know they did that. <laughs> and I can say uh, definitively, and I'm sure that I speak for both me and Will when I say this, but the introduction that we got from him yesterday, just with baseline information, uh, I, I have a lot of confidence that he will be able to steer our team in a direction that we've been looking for for a while. Yeah, I remember when we were going through, and we and uh, he's, he's a remote coach, and we were going through a presentation all together, and I remember when we were going through speaking points and all that, I looked down the row, because I'm at the end, and I would see, all, like, Every few times or every few moments, I would just see hands shoot in the air because everyone's excited because of the speaking points that he had. And it's like, we're finally getting that coach, which is super exciting, but we're all kind of like in the stage of not only is it a coach, but it's someone that has an ideology that we're, that we're behind already. Yeah. Like something we want to work with. And, and more importantly, it's like a lot of these things that he touched on on his first, on his very first session with us are things that we've talked about as a team. And then hearing them from the from the mouth of someone who is actually like in authority for our team now so that we don't have to argue with each other, uh, not not in like a bad way arguing, but the league team is very comfortable with, you know, being at odds with each other and kind of debating certain aspects of the game. And I'd like to think that now that we have someone who can definitively say this is correct, this is incorrect, our team can kind of elevate to levels that we might not have been able to reach Well, before. like, even when we, we can talk about, like, hashing out for, like, the correct play or whatever we're moving on, the way that Zoo is describing a lot of, the, like, the tactics that he wants to use when it comes to, like, teaching us as a team, mm-hmm. it's more along the lines of, like, you can, like, there are correct plays, of course, but he wants us to have, like, an itinerary of correct plays we can do at one time. Yeah. Like, one of the big things was to make sure that Whenever we go on to a game, we're never lost, yeah. which I think is a huge thing when it comes to esports, especially. Like, we've definitely had times where during scrims and matches, we're just like, "So what do we do next?" Well, yeah, I think I think when you when you compare, I I, I like to use comparisons to traditional sports all the time, even though if you know me, I don't have a background in traditional sports very much. But when I think when you look at traditional sports and traditional coaches um, of those sports, like football, basketball. Mm-hmm. The games have been around for so long that the role of a coach is much more defined and what a coach can help the team do is much more clear and thought out. Whereas I think in collegiate esports, a lot of the time you'll have coaches that that don't exactly know what their role is. And more importantly, you'll have players that don't know what their coach's role is. 
And so I'm excited because it seems like we have an experienced coach who does know what his role is, and that helps all of us have more direction. I think that's what we're kind of getting lucky with now that we're in the, you know, like the the, the 2020 era. Like, because you could look back at like professional league, for example, like coaches kind of like came and went. Yeah. Like there never really was just like the defined playbook that a coach could have. Like if you're running in football. Yeah. Like, but there never was that. And especially with how often, like for league, our game changes every like what, two weeks. Yeah. And so there's, <laughs> there's always things that we have to adapt to. And so when it, when it's a coach that comes in, like coaches now are just former players or people that are trying their hand at it. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like a lot of coaches back then before they were even able to have a resume because there's, there was just not enough time yeah. for them to build one. Like it's all just trial and error. Mm-hmm. And I think now we're seeing coaches emerge who have been through that trial and error process and they understand what works and what doesn't. Um, yeah. That's why I'm really excited because I mean, we, we've had some pretty great coaches and mm-hmm. I, people that I stay in contact with that are good friends. And now we get to see kind of the, like the pinnacle, yeah. like we get to see what, like what won the championship for them. What got, what got zoo the ring. Mm-hmm. And so now I think it's just going to help. I think on a base level, educate us on just what the future of esports should look like. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of us on the on the team and in the esports program as a whole, I think a lot of people want to find future careers in esports. Yeah. And so to see someone who's kind of at the, at, like you said, the pinnacle of of a certain area, a certain division of esports, I think that's something that's very interesting. Just from a from a future, um, you know, occupational perspective, not just a player perspective. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I'm just so stoked for this <laughs> this season. Like it's it it's so different, especially since this is now my first time actually being able to play in Sea Law. Mm-hmm. Like I'm super excited, and I hope I get I hope I get the opportunity. Even if I'm on the sidelines, I think it's going to be such a such an exciting like semester for Aquinas. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of future matches, though, we do have some Rocket League stuff coming up. Yeah. So um, as far as stuff that you can look for for this uh, for this upcoming week, we have more Rocket League matches uh, this week, specifically. Uh, more NACE matches, which is the primary league that Rocket League is competing in right now. Uh, as I said earlier, for more details on when those matches are and exactly whether or not they'll be streamed, uh, we'll put we'll be putting out our weekly schedule on Monday uh, on Twitter at Aquinas Esports. So go and follow that, and uh, and and make sure that you catch some of those matches because Rocket League is just going to keep gearing up as they get more comfortable, as we talked about earlier. And then next week, there's a specific match that I wanted to highlight that's going to happen. The Coach Long, which who's our uh, our head coach, our director, kind of clued me in about, uh, which is that our Smash team will be competing versus Michigan Tech, which, if you don't know, our current head coach, Coach Long, is coming from an assistant director position at Michigan Tech, uh, which makes it so that this is an extra grudge match for him. And hopefully the Smash team can find that motivation to, to kind of show Coach Long's old team as well. Mm-hmm. Like, just to show, like, the gravitas of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, man, actually just moved schools entirely, moved down here from uh, Michigan Tech, and now he has to see, can his program now, the one that he's been building for a couple months, can they still hold up against his former school? <laughs> like, I- I'm so excited. I-, I hope I hope we at least get to either get scoreboards out there or some kind of streaming for it. Mm-hmm. Uh Oh, man. I'm excited to see what happens. I I'm feel sure like... Coach Long is going to be is going to be biting his nails all the whole time. He's lo- pulling hair out, biting nails. Because if we lose, Coach Long knows that he's going to have to answer to all sorts of trash oh talk gosh, on Twitter. Yeah. Everyone's going to be adding him about it from the former program, just being like, shouldn't have left. 
All right, so those are those are for those of you who are trying to familiarize yourselves with kind of our, our breakdown of how we're going to run this podcast. Those are our first two segments where we're going to talk about what happened last week, and then we're going to talk about any interesting news with our program or anything that's coming up in the in the next week that we know about thus far. So now what we get into is that we have a lot of interesting people in our program. Uh, we have tons of people who have tons of stories to tell about times they've competed or whatnot. Um, and we're going to want to bring one of those people on every single week uh, to kind of interview them, ask them some questions. And then uh, if they'd like, they can stay on to talk with us in our next segment. If not, then that's completely fine as well. We're kind of keeping it open-ended. And our, uh, our first guest who just hopped on the mic is actually Powder, who, just to give a little bit of background, I tried my best to do my research. Uh, so Powder has kind of bounced in between uh, the Rocket League Varsity and Rocket League Academy rosters. But what I will say is that uh, Powder was promoted to Rocket League Varsity when it counted, aka, uh, you know, right before we played our WAC Conference Finals, which was our first in-person event uh, hosted at Aquinas, which was something that was super awesome to attend as a spectator. And I'd love to get more insight from you later on how that was to play as a competitor. Um, and the main other thing that I'd like to talk to you about is how, how heavily involved you are with the commentary scene in esports, because I think that's something that not a lot of people have experience in. And it's something that is just such an interesting, it, a lot, when a lot of people think about esports, they think about either being a player or a coach. Those are like the two routes, but commentary is a perfectly viable way to go, especially if you're someone who has a background in, you know, public speaking or communications or stuff like that. So What's up, Powder? <laughs> uh, not much. Thanks for having me on this. Yeah, not a problem. Do you want to give a little background? Maybe uh, throw out your Twitter handle for everybody out there. <laughs> yeah, uh, at PowderRL if you want to follow me on Twitter. But yeah, just some quick background. Like Steve said, I've not only hopped back and forth between the Varsity and the Academy uh, team itself on Rocket League, but I've even just hopped all around the program in general. I mean, I came in when the program started, mm -hmm. tried out for the Rocket League team, but uh, to put it gently, I was trash. I was gold at the time, <laughs> which if you guys are more, for those of you who are more familiar with Rocket League, or more familiar with other esports, that's the third lowest rank in the game. I had zero <laughs> chance. Everybody else was champ or GC, so... I got cut, but Coach Antor, the coach at the time, was willing to bring me on as a caster because I still wanted to be involved. So that's actually how I got my start in casting. And then from there, I just kept playing the game. Got to a point where last year, right around this time, I was good enough to where I was allowed to join the program. And from there, I was on the academy team. And then, like Steve said, shortly before, actually a couple weeks into the WAC season, I was then moved on to the varsity team. And to me, that's so awesome because like, you see the majority of esports players are like, I got recruited straight out of high school because I was top 2000. I was top 5,000 in X game and I went straight on to varsity and then I played on varsity for four years is what I would like to say. But as we touched yeah. on earlier, the reality <laughs> is that a lot of players bounce schools, mm -hmm. but you were someone who was already at Aquinas were yep. not good at the game that you were involved in. And then over time, you kind of built up that skill to a point where you were able to work your way up the ranks and, and actually join as a participant of the program and a player on the varsity team, which I think is super cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like unironically like a Cinderella story. Like started out just like sweeping around and just being like trashed a little bit by everybody else and all of a sudden like you're the beauty of the whole ball. <laughs> Which I mean I think there's no there's no like climax conclusion to that story as accurate as um getting to play on stage during the WAC oh finals, yeah. which I would love to pick your brain about. This is a extremely broad question, but how was playing on stage how did that feel different? as opposed to playing from the lab online games. Yeah, so even coming from... Uh, so I, I 
like like you even mentioned, Steve, you don't really have a traditional sports background where I did. I grew up playing it was in tennis, basketball for a couple years in high school, and baseball as well. So I mean, I had that. But playing on land was so much different than ever playing in high school. Even like on a baseball field, I played varsity baseball for our team. It was nothing compared to that. It, part of it had to do with I came from a smaller school. Our programs were our sports programs weren't all the great, all that great. But I mean, still, to come in on land and play in front of there was probably even more people at the land than I've seen at our previous baseball games or tennis games. Mm-hmm. It was unreal to see like the not quite the pressure because it's like home field advantage everybody there is rooting for you but Mm -hmm. still to play with that kind of pressure of everybody is sitting there in front of you playing on that was so much more different but honestly it's one of the best experiences i've ever had and see that's something that you just touched on that i actually think is hilarious about uh about esports lands is that if you're playing in like a basketball game you are are focused on either your hoop or the other hoop or whoever you're defending. There's there's no time to look at the crowd. Mm-hmm. With the way that we set up most lands for esports tournaments, you have you and you have your monitor. And if your eyes ever drift from above that monitor, you are looking directly at the crowd who either has their head in their hands if you're not winning or are cheering if you are winning. And it's something that is extremely hard to get yourself to not focus on. And it's something that can really impact you if you're someone who hasn't experienced kind of i mean i really think that it's an it's an act of performance mm-hmm. at the end of the day is like you have to be comfortable performing in front of a crowd and performing your craft well it's not even just that like with with especially rocket league like when there's a score or like when someone scores there's downtime like that, and that goes to like the whole like wander part like if you're if you score and you guys like high five your teammates or whatever like there's going to be a little bit of like loss in translation as your eyes peer over you're going to see members in the crowd and like just one like misfire if you will could just throw off your whole game because <laughs> like if you just see someone like i remember there was a story a while ago but somebody was playing and they just see a person in the crowd and they just like rip their shirt off and it was just like a guy with like a letter on it or like the name on the chest he's like the guy got so confused and was out of the zone for like the first round <laughs> and sometimes that's all it's takes i mean in league that's completely fine probably because there's plenty of time to refocus probably like 30 seconds before we're even getting back into any action but in rocket league the games are way shorter uh the punishment window is way tighter in that like if you're not in the right place at the right time you you might just get scored on immediately Mm -hmm. uh and and you might never be able to make that back up yeah your matches are what five five minutes minutes, yeah. yeah so like if you just like look away for the first two seconds and you miss like i assume there's like positions like forward and all that who's rushing the ball yeah there yeah like steve steve kind of touched on there's like rotations there's first man up it's not quite like soccer where you have like the forward midfielder goalie Mm -hmm. it's just a constant rotation they say like an equilateral triangle is like best case scenario or even just a triangle one man up one man in position to take the pass or the rebound if needed and one man just playing safe back and when the first man passes the ball off, he rotates all the way back to third man, and then move everybody moves up that way. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. <laughs> that, that, and it, the thing it, is, it, like every <laughs> game in the program has such amount of depth that I think, like, whenever any of us hear the other players on different teams talk in depth about the strategy in their game, everyone just kind of realizes like each game really is very unique in its strategy mm-hmm. and in its mechanical demands and stuff like that. There's just so much that goes into being an effective player for each and every game. Yeah. Like, and maybe I'm wrong in this, but like something that we like, we joked about the other night was like burger flipping. Like, <laughs> I don't really know how prominent that is in other games, but for league, like that's so like such a big concept, like to go for the flip. 
Yeah. But like you also have 25 other minutes of the game that you, that like impacts that moment and also 25 minutes that you can bring it back. Which to kind of briefly explain, this is off topic, but to kind of briefly explain what Will is talking about with burger flipping is like sometimes in League of Legends, there will be a a play that you are making that straight up has a 50% chance of succeeding and a 50% chance of failing and going horribly. And, you know, without giving up too much of our strategy from what our new coach uh, is trying to tell us. He straight up told us, sometimes I want you guys to just straight up go for the 50-50, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yeah. Like, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> it was such a, it's such a funny idea. But, like, so do you guys have plays like that that are kind of, like, super wishy-washy, if you will? Like, that's not going to be, like, the guaranteed moment? Because I know it's such, like, a, a faster and, like, articulated game, and so, like, everything's changing, like, per second rather than every, like, 30 or seconds or a minute. Mm-hmm. I guess the closest that would be, and it's not really giving away any strategy because other teams will use this too, it's um, second man plays basically like balls to the wall, just go for everything that you possibly can, while third man just plays extremely safe, basically thinking worst case scenario, second man thinks best case scenario. Mm -hmm. But then there's even other things like cutting rotation. So like I talked about how first man should rotate out and become third man when he makes the play. Well, third man's just in a bad spot or has not enough boost, or if the first man is just right where he can make a play, he can then just cut the rotation and become first, not first man again, but second man, go after the ball, try to make a play to score. And then that's when everything really, really relies on communication because you got to tell your teammate, I'm cutting. And then that third man has to stay put until second man can get back. Okay, brief question because I, I don't want to spend too long on this because uh, there are a lot of other like facets of you as a player and as mm-hmm. a esports you know personality that I'd like to get into. But is there such a thing as pulling the goalie in Rocket League? Like, I mean, tech, uh... like in soccer or in hockey, if you're mm-hmm. way too far behind to possibly make enough offensive mm-hmm. plays with the players that you have, sometimes you just pull the goalie. Is that a thing? Because it sounds like your roles are so, they're definitely fluid. They're very fluid. There's never just like, hey, this man is always first man or second mm-hmm. man. You might have somebody in a more set position. For example, you might have somebody who always goes for kickoffs if they can win every single kickoff. But outside of that, yeah, everything's super fluid. As for the pulling the goalie, I wouldn't say there's really anything like that. I think the closest that would be is if you're down by like two with like 30 seconds left, just send everybody upfield because <laughs> there's no reason to have anybody back. You don't go down by three, oh well, but you can possibly get that yeah. goal back. But even mm-hmm. if you're down by one, you don't even really play the uh, pull the goalie method because you can easily score with two players up or the third man sitting mid- midfield. So I think the closest would be kind of just sending everybody up when you're down by two or something like that. There's okay. only a minute left in the game. So I touched on commentary earlier, mm-hmm. um, and obviously you started as a commentator and then became a good player. Mm-hmm. However, do you think that being a commentator has made you a better Rocket League player or vice versa? Has being a better player improved your commentary? I'd say it's both, honestly. And I know that's like the easy answer, but I, obviously first it came from commentary did help the game because I was watching, even though our players at the time weren't like pro level by any means, they were still like champ two and up GC, GC level. So Which compared to gold at the time was... Yeah, yeah. as a gold, that is like, that is pro level to a gold, mm-hmm. just, quite, just quite simply. So getting to watch them play and see the way that they play and why they're doing everything they're doing definitely helped. And then especially as I kind of started to move up in the ranks, then still commentating, still still kind of helped 
But then it also helped in the reverse. By playing, I then, when I got better, knew the rotations even better and knew exactly why even more. And then that could help my commentary as well. And especially when I got into the higher levels of commentary, getting to see like bubble players or some pro players, then it really, really starts to help because then you start to see like pro level strategies of why they're doing what they're doing. Okay, I'm going to stop you for a second because you've used the term bubble players, which is something yes. that I didn't know existed until Shane, uh, who's the Rocket League coach currently, explained it to me last night. Uh, so do you want to explain what bubble player means to anyone who might not know what that yeah, means? Yeah, is it not just like the bubble buddy from SpongeBob? <laughs> No, it's, it's very tough to describe in Rocket League. And honestly, I'm not too familiar with other games as well, so I'm not sure how any bubble scenes work outside of this. But as for Rocket League, especially with um, the way that the Rocket or the way that RLCS, the Rocket League Championship Series, is set up now, the bubble scene, although it's not where it could or should be, to be quite honest, it's still stronger than ever because every single team technically has a shot to get in Rocket League where it used to be that you had to play an entire season of basically a minor league to then get into the pro scene, you can now just go through open qualifiers and qualify for the main events over a three-day weekend. But basically, a bubble team or a bubble player is any player that is kind of just on the bubble of being a pro or just kind of being like a really, really good player. Mm -hmm. If those teams, like, I'll try to name a few for any that might know, like Charlotte Phoenix, they're, they're consistently pro, but I would still call them a bubble team. I'd say only like, I'd say like top 12 are like very securely pro teams. Outside of that, it's kind of the bubbles because mm -hmm. you start to see those last four teams kind of change every single time there's a new event. But it's just kind of those teams that are very, very close to being a consistent pro and they do make quite a bit of money and borderline make a living off the game, but they're not quite that top 12, top 10 team yet. So like just moving into like that, the top 10, top 12, does that mean like you pop the bubble? I'd say so, yeah, because once you kind of move into there, you've pretty much secured yourself within the scene, and you've basically you've gotten close enough to where you're almost securing your spot in RLCS every weekend. So, like, Rogue right now, Rogue used to be, like, a top-two team in NA mm -hmm. for Rocket League. Right now, they are top. Actually, they're having a really good event right now. I think they're top, they clinched top six earlier today. Mm. But I'd still consider them borderline bubble to still pro being, like, a... A top 16 team because the way that it works is the bottom eight of the 16 go to the closed qualifier automatically so even though they have to go to that every week they're always making it in there's never a time where they haven't made made it into the main event from closed qualifier so right. even though they're on the bubble because they could be eliminated from the closed qualifier i'd still consider them a pro team being top 12 top 10. are there any slash are there a high amount of bubble players who are actually choosing to play in high level collegiate programs instead of like amateur like semi-pro teams oh yeah, absolutely there is and again i'm not sure how it looks in other uh, in other esports but for rocket league a lot of crl now is dominated by the bubbles by the bubble scene so like look at northwood for example they have almost their entire roster is filled with bubble players or just straight pros they have a couple teams from Former, formerly Nefarious, now Litecoin Gaming. They have Noxus, who's currently on PWR. They just made closed qualifiers. They have T-Corral. T-Corral's on Sonics, who are a top... I think they're another top 12 team in NA. They just have they have a fantastic roster, and you see that across the board, too. Even Michigan, for example, has Clavin, who was formerly a bubble player. He's kind of retired from the pro scene and focusing more on collegiate. But yeah, you tend to see a lot of pros playing in the collegiate scene now. Okay. Uh, so the the last I think like essential aspect of like what makes powder powder is that you have you are one of the people in the program who has actually been here since the start. Yeah. So as someone who has been here that long, 
how have you seen the program change and evolve over your time here uh, in in preferably positive ways? Yeah, no, it's definitely been a very positive change. Obviously, at first, it's kind of tough coming in as like we, when we started this program, it was my sophomore year of high, or high school, sophomore year of college. I think I want to say we were like the second or third, maybe fourth at the most team in Michigan or school in Michigan to start an esports program. So Coach Answer coming in was obviously he had had experience in esports, but not that much at the collegiate level. So starting it up that first year, kind of even being there from a caster, it wasn't that it was like chaotic by any means, but it was just very, very different because everybody's just trying to figure out how this works as they go along, including Antor. And Antor did a fantastic job of managing it. And you guys both touched on the fact that that Rocket League team finished second in NACE overall. We got to go to DreamHack Atlanta and play that on LAN. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure was awesome, by oh, the way. Oh, that, that was <laughs> awesome. It wasn't a LAN as in like when we set up for here in the gym. It was just on their setup PCs. I think the, another game was on the actual stage but still we got to go to dreamhack for an entire weekend yeah. like i would say that maybe two and a half hours of that weekend was spent like practicing or <laughs> playing in the national championship and the rest were getting to hang out at dreamhack all weekend so yeah it was it was a blast i'm sure me and will can relate to that in yeah. that the majority of our time at our very first land tournament that we got to attend was spent swimming in the pool and chilling <laughs> in the hot tub. Well, like, yeah. well, we didn't even have like setups that we could practice on. I remember us asking, and like, uh, we had Coach Jay at the time, and we were trying to see if we could like facilitate any setups so we could get like warm up games. But it was literally for most of us like twelve hour car ride and going to sleep and waking up into playing in the, in like that morning. And <laughs> yeah. I think we got swept by Winthrop. Yeah, and we were we were all like, well, we got rolled, and then we played our next match and we were like we won which none of us were really expecting we knew we could do it but we weren't mm-hmm. expecting so then it was like well what else are we going to do we can't practice so i guess we're just gonna go yeah, we pool. just went back to the hot tub <laughs> and that's the best part it's not it's not like it's uh it's not like it's not like all business when you go to a land tournament for esports mm-hmm. but i think a lot of our players very rarely get that opportunity to to bond with their teammates like that because yeah. we don't travel as much as traditional sports mm-hmm. uh, our events are far and fewer between so that's always something that's nice yeah well it's not like only that but like touching back to the bonding like that was the first time i met evan and all, first time we all met julian mm-hmm. which are two players who are on the league team one of which is not here anymore but but like that was the first time meeting evan and like <laughs> i feel like I, I was so close with evan because i literally sat next to the kid for all like seven games that we played or whatever <laughs> And like I remember when we won when we were on main stage, like we won the game, and we're not allowed to like we shouldn't like react if we won, so we don't spoil it for the crowd. And I literally just look over at Evan, I just go, "We're fist bumping under the table," and he goes, "Yeah, we are." We just got like bloody knuckles, pretty much. Which, by the way, Powder, I'm not sure if you know this. This is absolutely the worst part about competing in League of Legends is that there's no way to sync up the spectator client with the real game. So when yeah. you win, you just have to sit there and pretend like you're not like internally celebrating or internally really sad if you just lost for like three minutes and it's awful (laughs) okay so that brings us to our last question which is a question that we're going to ask everybody who comes on the podcast what is your single most memorable experience so far from competing in esports at aquinas oh easily the land that we had this past (laughs) fall by far even going to dreamhack was fun and all but competing on land for my very first time, I've never even done it because obviously I wasn't on the program a couple of years ago. I just mm-hmm. got to attend with the rest of the team. So being on land, and I remember I sent a Discord message to everybody <laughs> afterwards because it literally is just one of the best experiences I've ever had because like it's just that home field advantage. And even though you kind of get or you would get that in like baseball or tennis that I played in in high school, they're like 
just basically like sitting there and you score the goal and obviously everybody's able to react instantly in Rocket League because it's synced up yeah. within a second of each other. So like scoring the goal and having the entire crowd just absolutely freak out for you. And then it does hurt a little bit when everybody just sounds disappointed. <laughs> but I, more I remember just everybody just celebrating or banging on the seats. One of the Overwatch guys literally broke one of his rings. <laughs> it was just, it was, honestly, and it, it was tough that we lost, but uh, yeah, it's genuinely one of the best things that I've ever experienced in my life. The adrenaline gets pumping. Oh, like, yeah. I, I literally got chills hearing you talk about your LAN experience because, mm -hmm. like, I've been there so many times. Uh, as I mean, I'm sure I'll touch this, touch on this plenty of times over the course of the next episodes of the podcast, but I competed globally traveling around the country for a while in high school and getting to play uh, and having that instant reaction is, is something that hits completely different. Maybe one day we'll have that with League. That'd be really nice. <laughs> Maybe someday. That way I'm not like sitting there like moping. At least then I can just hear people happy about it. Or we can else. just decide we don't care about the wait to react rule and we can just stand up immediately <laughs> and spoil it for the crowd. Because like I remember when we were playing in St. Louis, like I remember we made a play that was super good. But I hear the like the crowd like moan and groan or like the the people that were on our because like, we were about for us. to lose. Yeah, we were about to lose and we made like a super high play and so we get super excited. But at the same time, three minutes prior, we got absolutely wiped at like a dragon fight. <laughs> and I just hear the crowd and I was like, guys, we're winning. <laughs> Please cheer louder. Oh my god. Well, I mean, that's that's all we've got for uh, for you specifically, Powder. Thank mm -hmm. you so much for coming on. Like, it was a pleasure. I learned tons about Rocket League and tons about you as a person. We have so many interesting personalities on mm -hmm. in our program that I can't wait to have more people on. And uh, yeah, it was nice talking to you. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me, guys. Thank you very much. I also think I'm gonna probably start calling people bubble players for a while. <laughs> bubble players is a great term. I would love to start using that in league, like semi-pro or we say amateur players, like yeah. high-level amateur players. Is what I would call Strompus a bubble player. <laughs> yeah, Strompus is a bubble player. I mean, Bradley was a bubble player. We're we're getting into a ton of league terminology, but like. Uh, just to kind of touch on real quick how Powder said that a lot of high-level collegiate Rocket League is dominated by bubble players right now. Like, there are multiple players from high-level League of Legends that recently got promoted to playing in, like, the professional scene. Yeah, and, like, is super cool. Is there... So, do we need to make, a, like, a term for, like, Niles? Like, who went and played pro for a while and then came back <laughs> no, to Niles college? No, Niles is just Niles. You can't make a term for Niles. He went and played pro and then came back to collegiate. <laughs> Yeah, which, I guess, which feels very like that's never because I feel like there again. really isn't like a reverse bubble. <laughs> like he was the a bubble. Inverse bubble player. <laughs> oh man. Uh, which which I mean that was a great interview. I love that. Um, yeah, that was really nice. I mean, maybe next week we might get like one of the Smash guys on to talk about whatever yeah, happens. Talk about the Michigan, Dude, the tech, Michigan match. tech match. Wh whichever happens, as long as we don't get absolutely sweeped, because <laughs> then we'll just you know sweep that one. At least it's hopefully we like close. It has it. to be like if it's close, I think Coach Long can like keep his pride a little bit, but <laughs> we're out to see. And now, after however many minutes we've been going on the podcast, we now get into what I think is the meat and potatoes of the discussion, which is talking about things that are hot topics in in Aquinas esports or more often just in collegiate esports as a whole and the things that I'm sure me and Will have plenty of opinionated things to say about. <laughs> I mean, I am an old man, so I think I should have opinions. <laughs> <laughs> the first of which uh, is, is something that I've tackled with a lot, both personally and with people I know, which is um, as far as not every school does this, but for Aquinas specifically, uh, players on the esports team are referred to for all intents and purposes as athletes. Yeah, like which even just I <laughs> like, said so I know you guys don't have video. Um, we're, we're working on that in the future, but I said the word athletes, and Will immediately had like a physical like reaction to me saying it. 
But like, I don't feel like an athlete. Like I'm not like like running laps around a soccer field. Like I I grew up playing soccer, and like you know we would do drills and run around the field to warm up and all that stuff. And like you know like we'd always wear our jerseys for every practice and all that. But like. <laughs> I just come in here like Monday, Thursday, Friday. In a hoodie and sweatpants. In a hoodie and sweatpants. I'm like, all right, guys, I brought my keyboard. <laughs> and like, that's the thing is that like athlete is uh, – me, the – so for anyone who doesn't know, uh, which I assume is most people listening to the podcast, I'm an English major. So I'll use my English major skills and say that the word athlete is derived from athletic. And I don't think that anything about esports is athletic. The distinction is that mentally, I think most people are of this opinion, mentally, like we, we are athletes for sure, mentally, uh, because like the kind of struggle that we deal with, uh, you know, with our own self-confidence and stuff like that and are all things that you see in traditional sports and then some, to be honest, because uh, the point that I always love to bring up is that if you're an athlete, you can practice until your body gets too tired that you have to stop and you have to go to sleep and eat and whatever. In video games, you see a lot of unhealthy uh, practice regimens because the only thing stopping you from practicing more is, you know, it's, it's literally like life schedule. Risk. It's yeah. life schedule. Like we could look at like, like to bring him back up, Julian, like that man literally played like, like he played for like, it seemed like two days straight. Like I remember going to bed and then waking up and he was still online and this guy's over in California and I left and I still come back after classes in the morning and the man's still online. Like I'm pretty sure he played easily like 28 games within like 36 hours. Like he just went for it. Like, like facilities shut down, you know, like you can't like just be like, yeah. at, at least nowadays with COVID and all that, yeah. like there's no gyms that are open 24 seven. Mm-hmm. And even then, like you brought it up, like your body will fatigue. Yeah. Like the only thing, like when it comes to video games, it's like you just have to fight your brain. Yeah. Like, you can, you can get tired, but you can keep playing if you're tired mm-hmm. and you can, you can wake up at 8am and then play until 10 PM or like even midnight and still be completely fine. If you're, if you are mentally at the peak of your, of your competition, like it's no longer muscle fatigue. It's like, let me slam a red bull and I'll just go for another 12 hours, <laughs> which, you know, I'm, I'm sure many of the players in the lab have done on uh, on pre-tournament or pre-match days yeah. for sure. Uh, which, you know, whether or not that's healthy is probably something that I think esports as a whole as an industry needs to explore through, uh, through more, you know, uh, through research and stuff like do that. Do you remember when we had Game Fuel last year? I, I do not. I don't think I was there. So, it, well, we, we had it in the fall. Hmm. And so I remember we had a bunch of packs of Game Fuel and all that stuff. And I remember, like, like we all got, like, hooked on it. Because it they were, like, big cans. It was, like, Mountain Dew. They had really good flavors and all that stuff. And we ran out. Mm-hmm. We weren't getting more. And everybody for the next, like, month had, like, lack of caffeine headaches. <laughs> Like everybody oh, was just like just chugging these things like daily, hourly, whatever, and then people were just like having withdrawals. <laughs> it was like I need more, and it was like everyone wanted to stay in the lab to like two in the morning, <laughs> just the like po- I could keep going. The point is though, mentally, like we're athletes. I will, I will die on that hill. I will debate it for as long as I need to. But physically, I personally don't believe that like defining us as athletes feels right, and that's why it always feels off to me. And what I will say is that like tons of respect to our athletic program at Aquinas for giving us the distinction of athletes, because even though I don't think it fits, I think that the message behind that is you are part of our program. Mm -hmm. We see you as being included and we don't want to make you a separate thing. Like we want to make you understand that there is a home for you here. And I think that that sentiment behind calling us athletes is almost more important than the terminology itself. Yeah. It's nice being brought under the umbrella. Mm -hmm. Like, 
rather than being stuck out in the rain, kind of having to like decide these things for ourselves or like find the distinction of what do we want to be or what are we or what do we want to be called? Like the fact that we're just like, we're, we're in the athletic building, you know, we have our own version of merch that says esports rather than baseball, volleyball or whatever mm-hmm. is going on. But like on the, at the end of the day, like you can go on the webpage or whatever, like you look at athletic teams, it says esports. Yeah. Like esports itself is already an, an umbrella term, but like we as an entirety of a program are allowed to, to live with, like all the other competitors which mm-hmm. i think is which i think is the important part is that there are we're all competing i think that's yeah. the big thing like athlete or not being able to like go out we can all walk the track like yeah. and some of us do that for like for like pre-match warm-up and all that stuff and see the other like programs it, for me anyway it's like a sense of like fulfillment and almost that like it's nice to know that even though we're on a different wavelength, like, you know, you're, you're, you're running to practice soccer mm-hmm. or running drills to kick a ball. And even then it's like, I understand what you're doing. I respect that as well. Mm-hmm. Like you and I are kind of going for the same goal of like, we're a program. Yeah. Like it, it's us all together. And, and we all love competition. We, we all love the, the feeling of adrenaline that kicks in when you're playing and you're performing at what you spend all of your time to work towards and, you have people watching and all of that. There, there's so much crossover between the two that I think, although athletes doesn't quite feel right in terms of what to define ourselves as, I think there's enough overlap to where it feels all right. And again, I think the sentiment is is there to where I don't personally mind it. I think it, it feels a little bit weird. There's a little bit of you know physical reaction uh, every time that someone refers to me as an athlete, but I think that I've gotten better at taking it in stride and, and I hope that that everyone else in the program does as well. Yeah, it's it was like a like I guess to put it in a good way, like it was like a growing pain. Mm-hmm. Like it's something that we're not used to, something that I mean, for a lot of us like you, you can ask a lot of people, I think in our program like they weren't really into like traditional sports. Yeah. Um like even when I played soccer I didn't consider myself a, yeah. at all an athlete. Like, <laughs> like I, I played subdivision soccer yeah, when like, I was like uh, 5. Yeah, but... no, I was like, yeah, I played ASO, which is like American <laughs> Youth Soccer Association or something like that or organization like but even then like I never considered like myself to be an athlete. So that that, that becomes a question. What <laughs> should we be called? Or like what what, what what's a good term? Cuz like I don't think competitor is a bad one. I don't think competitor is bad either. Competitor is what I refer to myself most of the time like, you know, at any, I'm sure anybody who competes in esports can relate to this, but when you're at a family gathering and that one aunt or uncle who doesn't really know about esports but knows that you're, you know, the gamer who does well asks you about it, then you have to find a way to describe what you do. I usually say, you know, I compete at a high level, um, you know, in video games. That's at the core of what I of what we do. I think that's what we do. However, I comma, have, however comma, yeah, however comma, I think that I have what I think would be really cool. So what I do think is that at least for League of Legends specifically, which is what me and Will play, um, I think that the game is far closer to a strategic game like chess than it is to a traditional sport uh, in terms of there's a lot of strategy and there's a lot of studying that you have to do to understand the game at a high level. And so I think it would be insanely cool if we could refer to ourselves, those of you who don't follow chess, if you are good enough at chess, you get to refer to yourself as a chess grandmaster or a chess international master. But or... like, but like, League, there's like, but all these games have ranks like that. Though. That's what I'm saying. So if I could just not have to describe myself as a competitor and I can just say, like, I am a League of Legends grandmaster player, 
I think that would be way cooler. But you are a GM player in League, though. I am, yeah. So, like, so there's there's no, like, discerning that, though. Because, like, if you say Grandmaster is someone that doesn't know League itself, like, know it as a rank. Mm-hmm. Like, if you say it to someone that knows League as, as, as a system as well, like, I'm a GM player, and yeah. it's like, oh, okay, so you're this rank. Yes. Rather than, like, oh, you do this. And I think, and I think ideally is that, like, it's kind of weird when you think about that chess has gotten to that point where chess is mainstream enough to where Grandmaster is a level of skill in chess. But you can say, I'm a chess grandmaster, and people know what that means. And in my idealized, utopian future, people know enough about League of Legends and about its ranking system to where when I say, I am a League of Legends grandmaster, that means a certain thing. That means that I am top 1,000 in North America, and that means that I have a certain understanding of the game, and that means that I am a certain rank and all of that. I don't know. Do you, but like, Will's giving me a face right now. Like, so, like that but like, here's, here's my thing, though. Like, then that becomes like, like you already can say that, though. That's like a thing that you can do now uh-huh. because of the ranking system in place. But like, I can't do that. Like, yeah. like us as a team, like when I'm talking, like, what do we want to be called? Like, what's our umbrella term? Right. Like, like we're yeah. AQ athletes right now. Mm-hmm. But like, what if we were like AQ competitors, competitors or, or AQ tacticians yeah. or strategists? Mm-hmm. Like, what if, it, what if, what if we're willing to take like the, the, I guess it's kind of like a really like I'm not edgy but like just like an extra like extra like if we're like the Aquinas tacticians like just like something just like so, so like awful. like yeah but like something just out there like yeah. why not have fun with it mm-hmm. like athletes a nice term and all that like when you hear athlete you think you know like big strong people mm-hmm. but like we we need something that's fun like I think that's what what makes esports so different is that we don't have to be like so serious and intense about it like bulgy muscles and veins popping out we can just we can just have a little more like we have a lot of a lot more fun with it like you were saying like it's a lot of, of strategy that's why I think like an AQ strategist sounds cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know I mean maybe maybe this is something where time will tell and over time a, a term will break out and uh, and it'll catch fire and over time you know there will be a term for what you call it if you are competing for a collegiate esports team something that is not athlete something that is not competitor something that fits what we do holistically and really tells the story of the kind of work that we put in and the and the kind of things that we struggle with on a regular basis but as of right now i don't think that term exists and i think that all we can do is really speculate about what that might look like i'll fight anybody that tries to use gamer <laughs> I, I will, yes that is that is the hill that i will not allow if you, if you call anyone who plays on the esports team anywhere this isn't just an aquinas thing a gamer we, we've got some problems that we gotta well like we gotta have a sit down well like it's such like i feel like it's such like a like a word that's been so like like demonized now (laughs) and like if you're like like for us like we're competitors like and you're just like oh you're just like a league of legends gamer and it's just like for me like i'll get like a physical reaction like i feel like my like a shiver down my spine and i'll like curl over and (laughs) that goes back to the whole family (laughs) gathering thing whenever anybody hits me with the yeah you're you're the gamer right i just i i want to go in the corner and hide immediately so like over the holidays like i remember i was talking and uh I, I my my I was talking with my dad and he's like so how's college and gaming going and I was just like I immediately just like walked away I was like give me like five minutes to reset I'll, I'll come back in five minutes and you can try that again and we'll see if the conversation works this time oh my gosh like uh it just it it feels bad like it is gaming like there's something wrong with gaming yes. but like the way it, that gamer gets yeah. used and thrown around so much now like the word itself like I don't even know like it's, it's lost its meaning yeah it well it's like it's not that like it's lost its meaning it's, it's had too much meaning yeah it's it's so like bastardized from what it used to be mm-hmm. and so like I think that's the problem yeah <laughs> like that at least that's the problem because I remember being in high school 
and like we tried to have like an esports program at the time which fell through horribly <laughs> but like i remember like i did a presentation about esports and how prominent it is and like how it's growing so much and i remember my teachers be like hey yeah you're that kid that likes the like the gaming thing right and i was like it's huh. <laughs> yeah and then, and then you and then you sigh and and this whole mental process goes through and then you say yes, and then, you you say yes and then the conversation ends and then you yeah, think about it for five days and me. then you have a sleepless night five years later and you think back to that moment <laughs> and, and you're like man it's that like r slash shower thoughts or something <laughs> like that just like i remember there's a teacher is like yeah i'll go throw my jersey at them now <laughs> like look where i've gotten <laughs> oh man shout out to all the all the teachers who i did have early on though who were actually supportive of what i was doing and made some effort to understand it yeah that's that, that, that that's always the best that's true i had a government teacher that uh he was a big like he, he was very modern i would I'd put mm-hmm. it at that like and he was also a younger guy i think he was like only in his like mid 30s but um like i never like after the esports thing all, all that fell through for the high school like i got to know him like just from sheer fact of joining his AP government class. And I remember he was like, Hey, yeah, like my church throws league of legends tournaments. And I was like, wait, what? Like, that's like, <laughs> like you can just do that. He goes, yeah. Like we, we go through riot and we sign up for these tournaments. Like, Oh, what kind of, goes, Oh, we do twisted tree line. And I was like, yo, me and my buddies love twisted tree line. And so we started going to those tournaments and all that. And I met a lot of people through there and I, I want, I want a good bit of RP, <laughs> but like, it was super fun. And that like gave me like the first taste of like, being able to compete yeah and then when i got contacted by adam to come here like i was, was like, our former coach coach antor's yeah name is which, adam. i mean if you're listening to this you probably know who coach adam is yeah <laughs> like coach antor is like he's like not like the messiah of like the community <laughs> but like people have looked to adam for so much information yeah. and he's such a respected member like of the community and like it was just such a crazy opportunity to get because like i because i joined when the program started in 2019 as a shoutcaster yeah and then i same as powder actually yeah yeah same around <laughs> around the same time as powder like i remember going through like all the courses that they had like uh we had one of the former players and our former coach uh the mccutcheons like uh keelan and jay mm-hmm. uh their dad came in and gave a sports psychology lecture to all of us because that's something that's not really like that wasn't at the time, especially like really still tapped isn't. into. Yeah, it's yeah. still it's pre- it's pretty underutilized. I know some of the top league teams have sports psychologists, mm-hmm. but like the mental battle is so huge. And so, God, yeah, 2019 AQ was such a different thing. Yeah, and I mean, for one thing, this is a horrible segue. I'll just say off the top of my head, but one thing that is different specifically this year from 2019 AQ and even 2020 2021 is that uh, this semester a lot of our esports teams have shifted from competing to whole nation competitions to competing in WAC, which is our it's our conference that isn't for D1, D2, or D3 schools. It's basically it matches us up against schools that are of similar size, have similar resources, and stuff like that. Um, and I have a whole bag of mixed feelings about playing in WAC, that, uh, many of which I've been open about in t- uh, on Twitter because I think it's important to talk about things like this. Do you want to go first to talk about how you So, feel? like, I, and I assume we probably have similar opinions. It's like a, it's a two-way road here. Like, like it has its advantages, but, like, it's kind of a sad one. Yeah. <laughs> like, so if you compare us to the other teams for League of Legends WAC, like, and we went through, like, the other teams to scout a bit, and we were looking at it like, our team has been like we've had a we, like last semester was a full Masters Plus team. Yeah. And like which for for those of you who don't know in League of Legends Masters Plus is like the top one percent. But it's even smaller than that. Yeah, it's even like, smaller. In it's D2, like zero point something. Yeah, no, like and when I was only in D two last semester, but like I was 
top 0.75%. Like it's a, it's a small margin at that point. And so we're looking at these ranks and it's like people that are like grazing D4 and like, or maybe just in diamond four, which is I think like top three or 4% now, Mm -hmm. but like, the skill gap between top four percent and top like 05 percent is massive. so massive. And, and this isn't this isn't to sound like jerks or sound like overconfident or cocky or anything. It's just the reality of esports is that the the size of the student body at your school and the amount of resources you have doesn't always correlate to how strong your team is. And so when we're playing in whack, and this is kind of getting into my feelings on it. I think it's cool that we get to compete against similar teams, but I also think that it is going to really emphasize how much we have broken away from the pack in terms of our team strength, because we can compete with like top 30, top 20 League of Legends teams in the nation. And none of those other teams that we're going to be playing against in WAC really, really even come close to that. Yeah. Like BL and I took games off of Purdue. Like it's like I said, it's two way road or double edged sword. However you want to look at it, whatever, you know, comparison you want to make but going into it and like 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 you talked about earlier it's not about bullying like we got really lucky yeah i think that's the best way to put it is Mm -hmm. that we as a program with the limited resources that we had especially last year fall so it's that they had 2020 fall Mm -hmm. with what we had we literally like the roster was completely different the only person that stayed over was pjr yeah paul and he was adc he was the last remaining member of the team and then all of a sudden, these four random diamonds from across, like, Travis, Florida, yeah. I, I'm local. I'm from Illinois. And then, and then our uh, other teammate was yeah, also uh, Yeah, the sport at the time was also Illinois. And so, like, <laughs> I guess not really across the country, but, like, on the eastern half still. But, like, we were people that never really met. We just, we got together, and then we just started climbing. And you were the first person to break through the ceiling for Masters. Yeah. But we also won things like MEC, which was the Michigan Esports Conference at the time. And we, we, we proved ourselves in, in ways that we really shouldn't have, especially with how spring went, Yeah, <laughs> which spring got really unlucky, which I'll admit a little bit my fault, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll get into that in a later discussion as a preview. At some point, we will likely talk about the crossover with esports and academics and Will will have quite an interesting <laughs> perspective to tell. <laughs> I actually am really excited to talk about that. Yeah, that, because, that should be interesting. Because I think I'm... Cause I'm, I'm like the example the of like, child. yeah, I'm kind of like the poster <laughs> child for it because like it got really bad and then it got re- a lot better. Yeah. It is, is the long and short of it. We'll get more into detail in a, de- at a later date for sure. But, but all of this goes back to the good part about whack is that like, unless some, unless there is some divine intervention, we should make sea law playoffs, which all things considered is a pretty big accomplishment. I got to do the survey for that. But <laughs> <laughs> There's an in-person survey that I need to do. <laughs> but the the bad part is that on the way to there, like we're making C-Law playoffs, and that is by nature in a, a large accomplishment and one that we weren't able to do in the past. But it feels less of an it feels like less of an accomplishment because the competition that we've been playing against has been lowered because of the conference that we're playing in now. And it's not it's it's not to say like oh like our competition got downgraded. It's like we just we entirely moved we got brackets. Better. Yeah, we got better and we got we were forced to move brackets because of the like because like you talked about like student body size. Mm-hmm. Like so now we're just in schools that are compared, but we're also competing with these massive schools. Yeah, and so and I think that's I mean. I think that's one of the most adrenaline heavy parts for me is like when we go up against a school that's like, you know, like five people from your life who went to this school that like, that's how big the school is. And we're just little old Aquinas college. And then all of a sudden we, we beat them and everyone 
is just like, wait, what? And I mean, obviously, we will talk at length. Oh. We'll, we'll have like a whole Gateway Legends episode just That's to talk a good about idea. our experience at, at that land. I tournament. think we bring Evan on for that one because that was his first event. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I, without even being with Aquinas technically. We got, we got to write that down somewhere. But like our experience of beating bigger schools who are way more qualified to be good in all ways uh, is, is, in my opinion, one of the most fun parts about competing at a small school like Aquinas. And I'm a little saddened to, to see that kind of fall by the wayside playing in whack, but we'll we'll have to see how it goes. We'll have to you can't judge something too much before it actually happens, so we'll we'll have to see. But, yeah, like the forefront of it definitely feels like it's a, it's like, of course, like we're going under the implication that we're already going to win it, which, mm-hmm. like maybe you maybe, know maybe we maybe, get maybe, maybe we lose to every like team we, in we the all, Robin and go dead last, <laughs> and then and we then all we just like, like end idiots. up breaking our hands and none of us can play. We all have like the like the the razor like. What is it? The Ouroboros, where it's like a mouse keyboard setup. We yeah. all just have like that one. Our ADC gets smited by the heavens and can no longer play. Like uh, there are also Bello shows up and breaks happen. his hands. <laughs> but like, it's not to undervalue it, but for us, it does feel a little diminished. Yeah. Just because of like the circumstances, which we, have, which no, none of us have control over at all. Mm-hmm. And, and also keep in mind, this is strictly from a League of Legends perspective. All our teams at Aquinas are at kind of different levels, to my understanding. We're mm-hmm. all, I think, all the teams at Aquinas are above average in skill level, but to varying degrees. So we'll see how WAC plays out for everyone uh, who's playing in it for, across all the different teams, across Overwatch, Rocket League, and Smash. And then I think we can de- definitively, when that's happened, come back and take a look at it and maybe compare with our opinions that we're stating now and see how we feel about it. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting, like... Uh... I don't, and I don't know the longevity that we're going to go for this podcast, but I definitely think like the end all after all whack and everything, all that is done. And when we have like, I guess like a semester in review, I think that'll be I guess, like super interesting to see just where people are staging at, because like I'm a little bit biased. I'm a really big fan of like the Overwatch setup right now, because mm-hmm. I just think Devin's a goat. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, we also have to have Devin on at some point. That's for sure. We're just, we're just, me and Will are making this long list of people who we have to have on. I mean, if one thing's for sure, we don't know about the longevity of the podcast, but we have more than enough people to fill for interview guests. Oh yeah, I mean, people. I mean, we have like upwards of like if we go through every student, like every student in the Eastern program, that's like thirty weeks. That's literally more than half a year. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe we'll get there. Yeah, uh, we, maybe we will get there. And that's like, and if we're doing it only throughout the semester, I mean, like next semester like in fall like i i I see a little bit behind the scenes when it comes to recruitment and all that like there's definitely gonna be new people yeah and we're definitely gonna lose some people Mm -hmm. but like overall like we're gonna have more stories to share gosh and 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 now you just got me thinking about whack and i'll say that if you want to you know if you want to hear those stories if you want to meet all those different people i heavily encourage you to tune in next week because that's going to do it for us uh for this time uh be very open with us. If you're someone who's listening to this podcast, we'd love to hear feedback. This is our first time trying to do this type of thing. Um, at the end of the day, we're just winging it and kind of figuring out what what works and what doesn't. And feedback is the best way to kind of figure that out at the end of the day. So. Yeah, it, it's super fluid. And so, I don't know. It's going to be an exciting journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll say I'll, I'll do a few thank yous. Um, thank you to Palm, who is our in-house production uh, person. Who, oh, it's manager at this point. <laughs> yeah, at this point, you know. Palm helped us with setting up all of this stuff. Thank you so much, Palm. Uh, thank you to everyone who's helped us uh, go through planning this first podcast, like Brett, Coach Long, uh, anyone else who has been involved in that kind of process. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing this type of thing every week. But uh, but for now, that's about all we got. Uh, make sure to follow us on, on Twitter at AQE Sports. 
Uh, make sure to follow our Twitch at twitch.tv slash AQE Sports. I think it's actually just Aquinas Esports. It's Aquinas. It's yeah, Aquinas both of them are Aquinas Esports. esports. Yeah. Um, for, then, for both. Yeah, for, for both, both of them. For the Twitter Aquinas the Esports, Twitch. both Twitch and Twitter. Also, if this goes well, maybe we'll have our own Twitter for this. Yeah. So look out for the AQ Diff. True. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everyone. See you next time. Thank <laughs> you.